Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz is only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by our good friends at ESPN 730 AM on com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are coming to you live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by my good friend from ESPN 730 AM. He covers the Hornets. Justin Thomas. Justin, how are you, my friend? Um, it feels good. Um, I'm not on injury reserve anymore. You know, I, I was in out studio. a little bit. Yeah, you're back. You're back with us. Um, you know, the foot is much better. The weather outside isn't great, but, you know, whenever you can get myself and Doug together and, and talk, you know, Hornets for an hour, it's always a good day. So I'm happy to be here. That's right. We won't be the only ones on this show. We've got a Tom Lewis from IndyCornrows.com, the SB Nation blog on the Indiana Pacers. Uh, he'll be on the Hive Talk Live hotline coming up in about eight minutes. We're going to be talking about the next game on the slate for the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets uh, hosting the Pacers at Time Warner Cable Arena on Friday. Uh, but first, uh, we'll, we're going to talk about the Sixers, and then coming up we're going to talk about Kemba Walker. Uh, is, is he in line? Is he a candidate to be most improved player? He's playing much better. Uh, after really the whole season, but also after the All-Star break. We'll break that down as well. You can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get your shows uploaded to your mobile device of choice. And uh, you can also catch our new morning hits called the Hive O'Clock Alarm, 10 to 15 minutes of Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan to get you started in the morning. And with that, let's swarm Charlotte. All right, Justin, let's start in Philadelphia. The Hornets had to make a quick detour to the city of brotherly love before starting their seven-game homestand. The Hornets went back and forth with a hot three-point shooting, hard-scrapping Philadelphia 76ers team for more than three quarters before finally pulling away in the fourth. They win the game 119-99. to Marvin Williams after the game saying they knew this was going to be tougher than it looked on paper, but the guys in the locker room were ready to go. You know, a lot of guys in this locker room have been in situations like that where you needed a big game and we lost one. And like I said, it was actually in this building we were in a similar situation where we had been playing well and come to Philly and, you know, we didn't play as hard as we could have or executed as well as we could have and they took one away from us. So we knew how important this game was, especially coming off last night's win. And we need each and every win coming down the stretch. So we did a good job, I think, tonight executing. Marvin had another great night, 6 of 11 from the field, two three-pointers, 14 points, nine rebounds, two blocks, and he brings up a good point, Justin. They didn't overlook the Philadelphia 76ers. It's easy to look at that game and say, well, 119-99, you're supposed to beat the Sixers, but they didn't overlook it. They were prepared, and they won the game. Um, you know, as soon as when I heard that Jaleel Okafor wasn't going to play, I said, okay, this has to be a guaranteed win. And, you know, the game started, Marvin got hot, I said, okay, I'm um, just like something they should, um, you know, they should easily win. And, you know, it, it got interesting. I was in the third quarter um, because, you know, the Hornets had a comfortable lead. And if anybody knows basketball, they know basketball is a game of runs. So I knew the Sixers were going to make a run, and they made a run. It actually took the lead. That's when Kimball Walker turned it on. The Hornets found that groove, and they went on to win. And I thought this was an important win because I think the most important word with this team is consistency. Mm-hmm. You just want to see a consistent effort. The consistent approach, intensity, and they had it last night. Because you can easily, it's easy to look over the Sixers. You say, oh, we're playing the Sixers. You easily show up, 
and then you get off to a bad start and things can accumulate one thing leads to another and it can get ugly before you know it and the good thing is is after they blew out the suns cliver said you know hey it's a win um we have a bigger challenge ahead in philly you know it's going to be a scrappy game and we need to be prepared so just after they won that game i was like okay how are they going to play and they went up to Philadelphia, and they handled business the way they should have. Absolutely, and you speak of consistency. A model for Hornets' consistency this season has been Kimball Walker. He led the way for the Hornets. 30 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, and he turned it on when it mattered most. Four minutes remaining in the third quarter. The Sixers go up 3 points. Danger zone time for the Hornets. Walker gets to the line four times, knocks down five shots the rest of the way, 17 points the rest of the way, imposing his will on a less talented team in a crucial game moment. Kimba called it uh, one of those games you have to, uh, a grinded out game, he called it. Here's Kimba after the game. You know, as a leader, you know, you, you know, you know the way games are going, you know, the situations, and, you know, at times, you know, I just understand the way the game is. You know, um, you know sometimes I have to be really aggressive and, you know, go out there and make plays on myself. And um, there's other times where, you know, I have to be unselfish. So, I mean, it just depends on how the game's going. David and I talked about this on the Hive O'Clock Alarm this morning, how Kimba is part of his growth in this fourth year, this crucial fourth year when guys normally make the leap. Part of the growth has been now that he has players around him that can also make plays, deciding, you know, probing in those first few moments of a game, maybe even into the second quarter, probing, trying to figure out, is this a game that I'm going to have to take over? And he certainly did that last night in the third quarter. He he really made that game his. And, and it's deciding when to do that and when not to do that that I think you know makes you uh, or, or can be the difference in being a, a subpar point guard and an elite-level point guard. Kimba's come a long way. He's come a long way. And I was once a fan of his – when he played at UConn because, you know, I was a small point guard. He was a small point guard. And, you know, when he came to Charlotte, a lot of people, uh, he's a good cosplayer, had a great tournament. Did, you, really did you model your game after his? Did you try to emulate that shimmy step back? You know, I had a step back. I wouldn't <laughs> say I, I tried to model after his, but I did try to definitely always keep um, the hottest Jordans on when I played. And, and Kimba always, Kimba probably has had the best shoe game of, of any college basketball player I've ever witnessed. And he got to Charlotte, and a lot of people were, uh, I don't really know about Kimba. And you know, it got off Rocky, and, and he got better. He got better. And then you were like, okay, we, we know we're going to get from him. He's undersized, he's going to shoot a lot, he's going to score. Um, we don't really know if he can distribute. His assist numbers aren't great. Um, but maybe we should go get another point guard. And, and then he gets the extension. And some people are still, I don't know if that's the move they should have made. And if you know Kimball Walker, you know, just from hearing him, he's a, he's a humble guy and he works hard. He works extremely hard. And every year he would always come in and say, immediate day, you know, I worked on this, I worked on this. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing the fruits of his labor. And a lot of people don't really want to give him um, a lot of credit. But it's okay because what he's doing on the floor is he's scoring, he's leading, and he's producing wins. And that's what you want in your point guard. Yeah, and I think he's making this transition into being more of a vocal leader and a guy who will talk about what he's doing to lead the team both in the locker room and on the court. And that's important for this Hornets team because – I think the the former veteran leadership and Al Jefferson. I think that uh, is we're starting to transition out of that Al Jefferson leadership role on the team, and it and the 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 torch is being passed, if you will, to Kemba Walker. And you have to produce on the court, but I think just as crucial as the raw numbers is the decision making and deciding. Okay, tonight I have to distribute. Because Nick Batum, he's got it tonight. He's firing on all cylinders. Or, uh-oh, Nick doesn't have it. Uh, Courtney Lee doesn't have it. Okay, I've got to get in there, and, and I've got to... And really, you saw it driving to the basket, not taking bad shots, not pulling up and, and, and doing a bunch of dribble moves, but using his quickness and using the space that defenders now give him because of his improved three-point shooting ability to get to the basket... And draw fouls. And I think David commented on Twitter during the game 
or or maybe he texted me this. I don't know. I, I get iMessage and Twitter all mixed up now. But it's okay, you're getting old. Okay, thanks. Uh, but he mentioned in some kind of technology fashion. He mentioned to me that hey, I think Kimba may be getting a few star calls now. Let me. Do you I, think that? I mean, because he 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 got uh, four trips to the line in, in pretty crucial situations, and you could. They were toss-up calls. I mean, they were call. You know, he throws his head back, yells, and and those are calls that, you know, can go either way. And and we've seen them, you know, not go for guys like Cody Zeller and not go for guys like Kemba Walker before. But maybe you know, you put up twenty-point game after twenty-point game, and I think referees start to look at you a little differently. I think I think that that is true to a degree because Kemba, you know, if you watch a Hornets game. You know he look he looks for contact. He's very dramatic, just like mm-hmm. you said. He throws the head back. He yells, "Ah!" You, you know it's coming. And I, I think now refs are saying, "Okay." I, I think he had to realize because there there were times where he didn't really have it, but now he's he's playing better. And when you start producing, you start getting the calls. Awesome. Well, we're going to talk more about Kimball Walker coming up, but first we got to get to the Hive Talk Live hotline. Joining us now is uh, Tom Lewis from Indy cornrose.com the SB Nation blog on the Indiana Pacers Tom how you doing hey I'm doing great guys just trying to catch up with a lot of news going on around here today <laughs> oh I know so yeah the big the big like breaking news is a, a guy that I think our listeners a lot of our listeners will be familiar with Ty Lawson who cleared waivers and it looks like the Indiana Pacers may be interested or you may have some breaking news I don't know about about Ty Lawson joining the Indiana Pacers uh, yeah, the you know, the news broke that uh, they were in serious talks earlier today, and now it looks like um, it is going to happen. Um, the Pacers beat reporter just re- reported that, uh, that Chase Budinger has um, has agreed to a buyout, and in fact, um, that agreement's been in place for over a week, but uh, they've been waiting for uh, C.J. Miles and Rodney Stuckey. They've been having some injury issues, so... They're waiting for that to clear up, and um, so now it sounds like Budinger is going to be the player released, which would make room to uh, sign Lawson. How do you feel about that move, bringing in Ty Lawson? He he's obviously struggled this year to uh, find the offense that that made him successful in Denver, and he was obviously you know waived by Houston. How do you feel he fits with that Indiana roster? Well, you know. I think there's a you know obvious risk. He's been struggling with with issues, um, not so much on the court, but off the court the last year and a half or so. And um, and you know how he's going to fit in with his team is a risk. But they're they're in desperate need of a guy who really knows how to play point guard. Um, they they've been using. Um, combo guards, George Hill. George Hill is considered the point guard, but really Monte Ellis has been playing point guard. He's more mm. of a shooting guard. Um, and then Rodney Stuckey, when he's healthy, you got three combo guards. None of them are real point guards. And there have been, I think we're up to about 14 games now where the Pacers have led um, at the at the end of games and let games slip away. And, and a lot of times they just need a guy <clears> – <throat> Who knows how to run run a team, get people in the right places, and, and play point guard. Um, so, and, you know, I don't know if they will, you know, completely disrupt the starting lineup. And, you know, I would imagine Lawson would be coming off the bench, um, obviously, at least initially. Um, but I guess it's worth a shot to see if, if um, you know, when he's on a good team, he plays well. I mean, he, he had some great years in Denver on some teams that were pretty good. Um, if he can rekindle that here with, with a fresh opportunity, um, I guess it's worth a shot. That's that's the uh, that's the hope, anyway. Ty Lawson, uh, again, a lot of our listeners uh, are familiar with Ty Lawson when he played at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, I'm certainly familiar with him. He brought brought home a, a championship uh, to for me during my senior year at my alma mater. So uh, I definitely have a special place in my heart for him. I don't know if obviously this is happening so close uh, to game time for Pacers Hornets. I, I doubt he'll be able to suit up for the Pacers and, and get any kind of substantial minutes in that game. You mentioned Tom 
the the Pacers letting games slip away uh, late. Obviously, in the last meeting between the Hornets and Pacers, that happened. A late bucket from Kemba Walker and a Paul George elbow miss ended that game. Uh, That sent the Pacers on what would be a three-game slide. They have recovered with a win over Milwaukee most recently. Uh, What do you think got the Pacers off the schneid? Uh, Well, you know, they they just made plays and and got some contributions from a lot of different players. Now, they they kind of stumbled down the stretch again last night. They had that game at 11 points um, with a minute and a half to go. and, And towards the end of the game, Milwaukee had a shot to tie it. Uh, again, there were some point guard issues, a, a couple bad turnovers, um, combined with some missed free throws, and all of a sudden, you know, you, you're almost letting that game slip away. So while they're not going to, you know, turn down any road wins, they're happy to get a win. Um, there's still a lot of work to do, and <laughs> I, in some ways, there were, there were a couple plays late last night. And I'm like, that, that was probably the last straw. They said, let's let's try Lawson. Let's go. So. Um, it, it the team has shown you know they they won at Oklahoma City they played pretty well at, at Golden State um, they they played the, the top teams in the league really well they can play at, at a pretty high level they just are are missing um, you know they're not always firing on all cylinders when things get tight and and they're going down the stretch and, and need to execute and that execution has has been what's what's held them back so. Um, it, it feels like they are always trying to build a little momentum and, and get over the hump and, and just haven't been able to. Now, you know, they're facing a stretch here where they got Charlotte back-to-back with Washington on the road and then come home and play San Antonio. Um, going to be hard to, <laughs> to uh, get that stride going in, in those three games. But then, and I think, I think Budinger is supposed to be in Charlotte tomorrow um all this is probably going to take place over the weekend because the Pacers have um after they play San Antonio at home on Monday they have four full days off so I would imagine that would make sense for when they would you know really try and and incorporate a new player into the lineup so um there's they're searching obviously they're still searching they they were trying a lot of different lineups they searched inserted uh rookie Miles Turner he's been great kind of settled out the rotation um, now they they have guys that have been injured who are coming back. Uh, Starkey seems to be back in his, his, uh, his legs are, are under him now, hoping to get Turner back and, or, uh, CJ Miles back. So, um, they just haven't been able to get all their pieces together and get all going in the same direction. Um, so hopefully, uh, they can start doing that real soon. Here with Tom Lewis, he he's, uh, is with IndyCornrose.com. You mentioned Miles Turner. He just uh, got bestowed the honor, Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month. He's had an amazing season. He missed time at the beginning of the year uh, w- with an injury. He missed almost two months, and yet he's been able to put together uh, what many uh, say is a breakout rookie season. What makes Miles Turner so special? Yeah, poor guy. He, he gets a big honor. It's kind of buried in the headlines here already. <laughs> with the roster moves, but right, um, you know he, he he's been amazing. He's been amazing from the get go because of his personality and and his demeanor and the way he handles his business, even when he wasn't playing. Um, the way he handles the media and he, he just um, has so much savvy. So um, speaks so well and and um, is just really smart. I mean, he's a smart kid. You can tell. Um, and he's also done things locally. His his family growing up um, had this, uh, what they called a, a, a warm project within themselves where they would go out and, and give, um, you know, supplies, blankets, uh, food, uh, toiletries and things like that to homeless folks around. And, and he started that up in India and the warm is for we all really matter. You know, he's doing all this before he even starts playing, so people are loving him. And then he gets on the court, and um, he's you know really active. He has he has an odd stride with his running, which is one reason why he he kind of fell in the draft a little bit. But um, once he's made it on the court, he he's pretty quick, um, quick jumper, um, and he can really shoot the ball well. His his um, turnaround game he can shoot out you know pretty consistently from 18 feet um and and then he also on the defensive end has a 
real good instincts blocking shots. He um, he struggles covering the guy face up, you know, um, normal defense guy driving on him, but uh, he can wipe wipe away a lot of those mistakes because he has uh, so good at getting getting balls in the air. Coach Frank Vogel mentioned after the Hornets defeated the Pacers right before the All Star break that the Hornets present some matchup difficulties. After watching uh, both of their matchups, Tom, which matchup do you think will be the most, what individual matchup do you think will be most difficult for the Pacers to navigate on Friday night? Yeah, there's no doubt that the Hornets are just uh, a brutal matchup for the Pacers. And now, you know, after that last game, um, you know, Charlotte did a fantastic job of of exploiting Turner as a power forward and, and getting a uh, big production out of Marvin Williams and spreading the floor. And, and that's one one area where the Pacers have struggled is, is covering spread teams. You know, they, they tried to play spread, but using C.J. Miles as a power forward just, you know, wasn't worth it, didn't work out for the long term. So um, I think between Turner and Mahimi, those guys are quick enough to get out and cover that three, but um, it, it's tough. And that. that that's the biggest area. And then, you know, obviously, Kemba Walker on, on the pick and roll is, is a beast. And and uh, hopefully they won't try and cover that 25 feet out uh, this time around. But uh, um, but that that definitely is, uh, you know, he, he he's probably enemy number one for the Pacers to take care of. Um, and then hopefully they can cover up the rest of their shooters. Monta Ellis, uh, known as a volatile volume shooter in Milwaukee, he revived his career, remade his on-court reputation in Dallas, proved he can play a two-man game with Dirk Nowitzki. Now he's in Indiana. He's been called the vocal leader of that locker room already. How has he led the team on the court this season? Yeah, I mean, that has been kind of a revelation for for anybody who didn't know him. But um, he has been just, you know, that he is – the oldest guy on the team, literally, and and um, he acts like it, and he he does step up, especially um, you know behind closed doors, and and uh, gets into his teammates, and and tries to make sure that um, everybody's on the same page, or or people know when they're not. Um, so he's he's been, and, and you know, if you hear him speaking with me, he doesn't say a thing. He talks a lot. But he is a real pro at, at talking and not saying anything of substance, um, which on some level I admire. But, <laughs> um, but uh, he'll have a career. He'll have a career in podcasting waiting on him when he retires. Exactly. But yeah, it's always funny. I always end up, you know, people asking these questions, and he starts talking to us. Yeah, he does that one pretty well. <laughs> um, but uh, oh man, he that was a great ten minute conversation. What the hell did he just say? <laughs> Exactly. Um, so, hey, I got a conf- I got a confession to make, Tom. Uh, earlier this season, around trade uh, deadline time, I had a little basketball crush on Solomon Hill. I, oh. I thought he might be uh, when MKG w- was still injured. I, I thought, uh, well, he's injured now, but the first time he was injured, <laughs> I thought that Solomon Hill might provide a an option for the Hornets to look at in terms of the trade deadline. He'll be an unrestricted free agent yep. come this off season. Uh, what what would make him an attractive ad for teams in the off season? Yeah, you know, he's been an interesting player because last year he ended up thanks to Paul George he playing a ton, um, and mm-hmm. you know if you look at his numbers they they were real good, he, but he wasn't ready for those type of minutes. Um, his his biggest problem is he can't shoot, so. Um, that's a problem. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> in NBA, basketball. That's a problem. I mean, when we're talking about spread lineups and all that, he looks at it, uh, and uh, if he could hit that corner three, he would be the ideal spread four because um, he can guard, you know, threes and fours and even fives if you have to. Um, and you know, the effort levels there. He's just a fantastic guy to have on the roster. Um, I was a little surprised at Pacers. Um, didn't pick up his final option, although, I, you know, they didn't want to have that guarantee. I understand that. Uh, and a little bit interesting to see um, where he goes. But, 
you know, he's he's the type of guy that I could see in two or three years, you know, being on a Spurs team and being the seventh, eighth, ninth guy who's just driving other teams crazy, making smart plays, um, and and doing a lot of dirty work. Um, and that's kind of the player he is. He's, he's you know, uh, he's always going to be a reserve. He's going to be a guy, though, if you can give him 15, 20 minutes, you know, he's going to give you everything he has. And, and maybe he's a guy that, you know, almost um, maybe like a Matt Barnes type, under your skin type guy without mm. all the other insanity that Matt Barnes carries with him. Right. Um, yeah. Only on the court, you know. <laughs> Um, the, the, the on yeah the on court Matt Barnes yeah uh, that right, that would be exactly. a nice addition to any team awesome yeah. well Tom uh, thank you so much for joining us Tom Lewis IndyCornrose.com you can follow him on Twitter at IndyCornrose enjoy the game tomorrow night and we'll talk to you soon sounds good anytime guys bye some interesting things there and I think I'll I'll be honest Justin I, I think he he relit my flame a little bit for Solomon Hill. Again, he's an unrestricted free agent. I understand he can't shoot. There were a lot of players on this Hornets roster that you could fairly say could not shoot very well, and now we've seen MKG return and shoot much better, and we've obviously seen Kimball Walker shoot much better. So you bring a guy like Solomon Hill who can guard multiple positions. You put him with Bruce Kretzer, and you just see what happens. I'm just saying it would be a value deal. You know, this is my my first time hearing of this. I don't know if you I weren't. Say, yeah, you weren't around for the the days. I don't know if the I days of say, your I'm shocked. Um, Listen, Solomon Hill. He's a guy with size. You know, scratching my defensive head. defensive intelligence. You know, it's it's okay. I won't fault you. We all have players that you know that we we take a liking to. It's okay. How do you like this matchup, Pacers-Hornets, on Friday? Look, the Pacers, they're, they're going to come in, and they're going to want to win this game. They've been beaten twice now. The last one was very close. The, the Pacers gave that one away. Kimball Walker with a, a great move, beating two defenders. But the Pacers are, are coming in here off a win. They're going to want this one. You know, this might sound very generic. It, it probably is. But I feel like as long as nobody goes for buckets outside of Paul George— I think Charlotte, you know, should should get this win. But you know what the Hornets, you can, you can never just say they should just get the win. So I don't want to say like a broken record, but it just goes back to the same thing that Clifford says. You know what, it starts with our approach and, and our intensity. And if they come out strong, and, and they're, they're, the, they're like top six in the league in playing at home. They're tough to beat at home. So, you know, I feel like right now, though, I, I could be wrong, but I feel like this team, I feel they realize we can actually move up in the standings. We have a, we have a, um, I feel like the majority of the games, like their schedule isn't daunting. You get Boston once, I believe Cleveland one more time, and, and San, um, I said San Francisco, and San Antonio. So outside of those three ball clubs, like everybody else they're going to play for the rest of the season is beatable. So you got to think like, okay, we played these guys, we've beat these guys. We're getting them at home now, and I feel like I feel like they're ready for it. But you know, you never know. So I'll be really interested to see how they come out. I'll be interested because before the last matchup, I said that these two will be interesting games to watch side by side to see how each coach and Frank Vogel, an extremely smart coach, Clifford, an extremely smart coach, how these two adjust to one another. And we've seen two games now where the Hornets go up against the Pacers, and they've used. Marvin Williams to draw out Miles Turner, and it, it's opened up some driving lanes. But they, <clears throat> excuse me, they've mostly used that to knock down three point opportunities against the Pacers. So I think that Miles Turner will be a lot more aggressive. They may switch a lot more to prevent Marvin Williams from getting hot early. How will the Hornet? If they do that, how will the Hornets respond? Will they be able to get to the rim? You can't. When when you go up against a team like Indiana, they're a traditional two-big team, and what you don't want to do is assume they're going to play aggressive up top and then attack them directly 
and end up. We've seen this so many times with Oklahoma City. God, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, Gosh. I can't uh, count the number of games I've watched against Oklahoma City where they attack them directly. Uh, they also did this to Bismack Biombo in Toronto. They attack them directly. They don't try to uh, Hassan Whiteside too. There's another example where they attack these guys directly. Don't try to move them out of the paint and they get the the ball sent back their way and open up transition opportunities for the other team. So just strategy-wise, I'll be watching that early in the game. What happens when when they try to set Marvin Williams up? How does Miles Turner react? And then what is the counter-reaction by the Hornets? And that's why I said that these two matchups almost present a playoff-like opportunity for the Hornets because, you know, in the playoffs, you're playing guys every other – you're playing the same guys – night after night, and you've got to make these little chess-type reaction, counter-reaction moves. So I think that will be an interesting uh, thing to watch. We'll, we'll talk about it again tomorrow morning on the uh, 5 o'clock alarm. We'll look a little deeper, uh, but that was a great interview uh, with uh, Tom Lewis, and he knows his stuff for IndyCornrose.com. Well, you know, we haven't done one of the I haven't rolled this uh, this lovely drop that we have for the Hornets Hot Topic, but I think there, there's – no one on the Hornets that is playing hotter than Kimball Walker, and he's the subject of our Hornets Boom. Hot Topic. Drop it. Hansel, so hot right now. Hansel. So hot. The Hornets Hot Topic. Kimball Walker playing even better after the All-Star break. He's upping his field goal percentage, his three-point field goal percentage. His usage percentage is up, too. That was something we mentioned early in the season, how Kimball Walker's usage percentage was down over previous seasons because you know you had playmakers like Kimba Walker and other options for Kimba to go to but we've seen his usage percentage start to tick up tick up tick up but the efficiency has not gone down and that tells you okay this guy this guy might be in a in a special kind of groove a leap year kind of groove he had 30 points last night he's scoring 20 points on the regular What's up with Kimba Walker? Whoop. You know, we've been wanting more. Charlotte has been wanting more. Fans have been wanting more of Kimba Walker. And guess what? They're getting it. He's just, you know, decision making has has gotten better. Um, He's clutch. He's knocking the ball down. He's making the right plays. He's having one hell of a year. Just... It, and it feels good for just to, to see a guy like when you see a guy put in a lot of work, a lot of work, and and sometimes it, it just doesn't manifest. You think, gosh, could could this guy just just have a break? But once he started working with Bruce, that that really put him over the top. Yeah. I, I think shooting opens up your game so much more because a lot of guys can dribble, uh, a lot of guys can get to the rim. But in the NBA, you can kind of find ways to, to cut guys off that can't get to the lane and force them to shoot. Look at Rondo. I love Rondo. Rondo still can't shoot. People leave Rondo open and dare him to shoot. And you know, teams will say, "Uh, Kimmel Walker's having a pretty good year. Yeah, let's go. Let's go under on this on this screen. He's he's not gonna knock this down." And now, you know, some, sometimes guys will get the ball and they don't want to shoot it. Oh, well, Kimba get it. And, and if the opportunity presents himself, he's going to shoot it. And, you know, the difference is between this year and previous years, he's making them. Well, listen, he's focusing on the things that he knows he can do well, and he's improving those things. He, he's he's true to himself. He's always been a, a guy who looks for, for his offense first and and distributes when he can. And and that's just that's just him. He didn't try to completely remake his game and become a pass first point guard. He he just recognizes what his strengths are, and then decided to, to take them to the next level. And he certainly has. I pulled this stat uh, from uh, BasketballReference.com, their Twitter account. Kimball Walker is on pace to become the fourth player in franchise history to finish a season with uh, twenty plus in per. Would you like to take a gander at what the other three Hornets slash Bobcats franchise history all the way back to eighty eight eighty nine? The other three guys that finished a season with twenty plus per. Um, Anyone? One guy's pretty all right, recent. All right, all right, one wait, guy's pretty recent. I'm gonna try to take a stab at the note guy. All right. Is Glenn Rice one of them? No. No, unfortunately. No. Okay, hold on, hold on. Sorry. Ah, uh, as recent as a Bobcat? Yes. 
I'm like, is it a? I feel like it could be an obvious name, but I don't know if it's obvious. Well, just drop a name. Gerald Wallace. Oh God! He couldn't have been Gerald Wallace. I want winners. Come on, Al <laughs> Jefferson in 2013-14 finished oh, wow. the season 20 that's, plus. That's a P-E-R. bad thing. Uh, Alonzo Mourning did it twice in 92, 93, and 94, 95. The final player, get this. I saved this. This one's kind of out of chronological order. This happened in 97, 98, not Glenn Rice. Matt Geiger, the Geiger counter. Number 52? Woo! Big Baldy? Wow. I, I, I definitely wasn't guessing that. Finished 20 plus PER for the season, the Geiger counter in 97, 98. Can I so, ask you a question? Yes. You did, you, did you ever watch wrestling? I, I watched uh, wrestling as a kid, yeah. Did Geiger not resemble The Undertaker a little bit? Oh, I, I was going to go Big Show. I thought maybe he looked you a know little what? like Big Show. Yeah. God. That's even better, yo. You, you Stay know, tuned I'm, after the show. We'll be talking more about the Attitude Era of the WWF. Uh, <laughs> man, I didn't think But that's cool. Show. Like, he's, he's PER. I mean, that examines, that's not just a scoring metric, that examines. All of the different ways that you can affect a game. I mean, like every stat, it has its weaknesses. But again, I just think it's interesting. I also found this. Uh, this was from, I believe, the the Charlotte Hornets Reddit. You know, I like to to peek around there and pull some stories. And, and someone uh, pulled this out of the BasketballReference.com uh, player, or excuse me, Basketball-Reference.com. I want to get that URL right. A player comparison finder, and they compared Kyrie Irving's third season where he was the all-star MVP with Kimball Walker's current season. And let me tell you, the statistics are, are eerily similar. Points per game, exactly. 20.8 points per game for both individuals. The field goal percentage, virtually the same. 43% for Kyrie Irving, 42.8% for Kimball Walker. Kimba actually has a better three-point percentage than Kyrie Irving did in his third year. Again, that third year for Kyrie, he was the all-star MVP. And looking at the advanced statistics, free throw rate better for Kimba Walker, true shooting percentage better for Kimba Walker, PER better for Kimba Walker, box plus minus better for Kimba Walker. And really that, that amounts to defense. Defensively, Kimba Walker... Uh, better in his fourth year than Kyrie Irving in his third year. So just some interesting, again, not, I don't know how much you can really take from that comparison. It's two different seasons, two different teams, but I just thought it was interesting how eerily, and obviously the guys at the Charlotte Hornets read it, thought it was interesting how eerily similar. I might post that link to Twitter for all of those that want to uh, head over there and check it out. Follow us on Twitter, at Hive Talk Live, where you can also submit questions and comments during the live show. Well, some, including our wonderful beat writer Rick Bennell from the Charlotte Observer, have fl- uh, starting to float Kimball Walker's name for most improved player. I I love it. You know, I, I wanted. To, I wish I could take credit for that idea because I was thinking about it last night. <laughs> Rick beat me to it. Rick Bennell, good work he's as the always. Beat reporter, he beats you he, to it. He did. Like I was thinking, nobody's going to write this. I was like, I'm gonna get a head start on this tonight. I get on the shot observer, um, Rick, but you know, he did a good job. It's early yet. I, it feel it feels like. People talk about these kind of awards after November, after the season gets into gear a little bit, and then maybe late March, they start talking about who's getting what award, but you don't really hear anything about it normally this early. But I I like the idea. I like the idea of Kimba Walker as not winning the award, but I think there's something to be said for being in the discussion just like there was something to be said for Kimba Walker being in the discussion to be in the All-Star game, you have to take steps in terms of your recognition among the public. You know, a lot of this has to do with what team you play for, where you were drafted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh but when I look at the most improved this season, I think probably and you can disagree with me if you want, I feel like the favorite to win that is uh, the guy out trailblazing in Portland, C.J. McCollum. I mean, just raising his game Ballin. to you know stratospheric levels in his second season. I don't think anyone saw the level of offensive production. And really, it was supposed to be a rebuild 
project, and that's why the Hornets have Nick Batum, because the Portland Trailblazers were supposed to be rebuilding, and now with C.J. McCollum's sudden rise to prominence, now it's time to you know start thinking about accelerating the rebuild if you're Portland. So that's one guy having that much effect on a team. I feel like he's the favorite, but other names being mentioned, Reginald Jackson, Andre Drummond, Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder over in Boston upping his game. And uh, you got to talk about this guy. He was in the slam dunk contest, didn't do too much, but he is uh, exciting fans in Denver. Will Barton is another guy. You know, I, I actually think, Off man, the bench. To, outside of Jay Crowder, like, I really think Kimba's argument is strong. Like, CJ McCullough, he's balling, but it's his second year. Like, you got to think, okay, have we watched him for another long enough to be able to see like the drastic improvement but you've been watching Kimba for a while it's nearly a 10 point per game improvement for McCollum and and so the argument that you always hear with most improved is uh is this just an increase in minutes because there's a thought process that goes in the NBA that give a guy 18 shots and 30 minutes and they'll score some points if they've got any kind of talent a lot of it is a lot of it is, is opportunity and McCollum is getting a much bigger opportunity, much more minutes than he did in his rookie season, and he's taking advantage of it. But you know the one extremely interesting name that we're hearing be thrown around for most improved player? Throw it out there. Steph Curry. Nope, nope. He's not getting it. He's getting MVP. Tom, no, well, no. But why can't he get both? Tom Havistrow from ESPN no. threw this out and, and others. Harrison Barnes kind of put this out there as well. Uh, Steph Curry has raised his points per game, 6.9 points per game. That's a 50% higher jump than the next MVP candidate. No. Larry Bird in 88. No. So, so he's raised his game most, and there's, there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's a history of guys winning the MVP award and then regressing. But Steph Curry is not only bucking that trend, but he's bucking it in a way that's 50% higher than the next highest former MVP in Larry Bird. No, he's not getting it. No, I, and I, I say that like I have a vote. Like, no, like, like I'm not I just, voting I don't. I think Steph Curry has, he has so much goodwill amongst writers and guys that, that vote for these People kind of things. Him. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't think that most improved player is any kind of, uh, you know, sanctimonious award. I mean, guys like, Bobby Simmons and and Monte Ellis won it one year. And hey, hey man, Mon- Monte was Gastonia love Daryl Armstrong. Man, Monte Monte was nice in Golden State, man. I'm just saying it's not. It's I'm just saying it's not a sanctimonious award. It's like oh my god, we can't we mm. can't do this. We can't make an MVP and an MIP. Man, I don't. Cause to me, man, it like, does. I mean, it just doesn't. It doesn't happen. You see guys win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. That happened twice. Uh, Jordan and Olajuwon did that. Uh, one guy. One rookie of the year and most valuable player. Do you know who that is? I don't. Wes Unseld. That's going in the way, way back machine. Oh, back I was never going to guess that Late way. 60s. Yeah, Wes uh, got rookie of the year and most valuable player in the same year. What year was that? Probably not going to. 68, I believe. Not going to see that again. No. That's ph- that's phenomenal. If I would love to see that happen because that mean that kid is going to be dynamic. He had a great career. I would love to witness that. Like if if I could put that on my bucket list, I would really like to see that. Uh, speaking of our beat reporter Rick Manel on Twitter, just tweeting out based on various reports, it doesn't sound like ex Tar Heel Ty Lawson will sign with the Pacers in time to play versus the Charlotte Hornets in Charlotte on Friday. So there you go. If you were looking for. Ty Lawson versus Tyler Hansborough, Freaky Ty will not be in the QC. Two thousand nine. National Championship that just gets showdown. Me, that gets me excited. We can't even talk about North Carolina basketball. That gets me excited right now. It, it just, those are the good days right there. I just, oh, it was a special place in my heart. Uh, so I, I want to kind of just throw out my top five here with most improved player. I'm going to go C.J. McCollum. I think he's the, the leader in the clubhouse right now. Uh, and then I'll put Steph Curry second. I just think that to to expect a guy who played as well as he did last year as most valuable player and to have him up his game in this way and not only just points per game but playmaking and also 
the, the what he's doing out on the court in terms of extending his range and what that's doing to defenses and he's leading the team that will most likely break what many thought was an unbreakable record. Don't say that. Don't say that. And, and, you know, I just think that he, look, if the numbers are there and most improved player often comes down to raw numbers, there's not a lot of emotion that goes into most improved player like there is most valuable player. You know, we're not really looking at situationally. I mean, the numbers bear out Curry has made a remarkable improvement over an MVP season. And third on my list, I'm going Will Barton because he's made a dramatic jump in his statistics and he's really come out of nowhere. And I think traditionally this award has been given to guys that kind of come out of nowhere to, you know, jump onto the scene. Not really recently. I mean, we've got guys like Butler and Drogic and George, those guys were all known quality, known quantities. Kevin Love, same way. But it would be a return to the tradition, I think, in the late 90s and early 2000s where you gave it to a guy who was breaking out. And I think that's definitely what Will Barton has done in in Denver. I mean, being able to score every which way, extending his range, and you know, being a, a just an absolute beast in transition. You can't stop the guy when he gets a full head of steam. Jay Crowder is my fourth selection, and then I'm going to put Walker as fifth. And I think when you talk about Walker as in the mo- or being in the most improved discussion, I think you have to talk about the fact that he dedicated himself in the offseason to changing certain aspects of his game, and those things are, are bearing themselves out in such a significant way and in ways that are changing not only the way that he plays basketball, but the way that the Charlotte Hornets operate. And when when you're a player and you improve in such a way that your entire team becomes better for it, I think that's a, a testament to him. Unfortunately, I just think the raw numbers don't bear out. I mean, he's improved his points per game by about three, his offensive rating by about six, and those are great. Those are amazing. But when you put them up to guys like Barden and McCollum, he just falls a little short. Now, you know, I said about about Barton, he gets the X. They're not going to the playoffs. CJ? Well, again, this is, CJ, not, no, this is not most no valuable player. I mean, this CJ, is most. This is such an individual oh, he award. Ain't it. Hey, the Justin Thomas Awards, he ain't getting it. Next. CJ? <laughs> CJ's been balling. I'm a fan of CJ. But you're not, a, you know. But CJ, seventh. You haven't, and we don't even know if Portland's going to be able to hang scores. on. Guess what? CJ, cut him. Oh, Steph, geez. gosh, I just, I can't argue with anything against this guy's doing right now. I don't even like talking about the guy right now because he's just playing so well, but it is a joy to watch. Now, um, I did hear you say uh, Jay, Jay Crowder. Um, you like Jay? I do like him. Boston, Boston, I feel like, you know, when you look at Boston and you're like, they're third in the East. It almost, you you feel like it doesn't even make sense, but they're a good basketball team. So I think if I had a top three, um... I definitely can't give it to Curry because he's just been so big time. But I think it goes, seeing that Crowder and Boston is, they're better than Charlotte and they're higher up in the East, I'd lean his way. But if Char- if Kimba finds some way to get to like 22, 23 points a game and they get to four or five, I think he has to get it, no question. And here's where the argument against guys who are just seeing an increase in minutes comes into play. So CJ McCollum last season, 15.7 minutes per game. 6.8 points per game and then this season he's averaging 20.8 points per per game Drastic. so that's that's a 14 point jump but his minutes have also skyrocketed he gets almost 35 minutes per game so when you look at per 36 minutes when you sort of take that minutes bump out of the equation it's it drops a little bit or it evens out per 36 CJ scoring 21 points a game Whereas last season, per 36, he was scoring 15.7 points per game. So again, still a significant jump, but just not as significant once you factor out the fact that he's becoming you know, a star on that team and he plays a ton of minutes and he gets a ton of usage because they don't have a lot of big guys there in Portland that can do things underneath the rim. I mean, it's McCollum and it's um, Damian Lillard and that's it. I'm a big fan of Damian Lillard. 
Well, he's not. He's. I don't think he can qualify. I oh think no, he's, he's too big time. He's, he's too big time. Exactly. That, that is my guy, man. When sometimes yeah. I wish that I wish some of those teams in the West played over here on the East Coast. We're doing. Put your scuba gear on. I'm about to do a deep, uh, deep stats dive here on Kimball Walker from uh, last year to this year. So I'm ready. Per 36, his field goal percentage last season was 38.5. This season, per 36, 42.8. That's a huge jump. Mm -hmm. 37% from three this season. Last season, that was down to 30%. So that's a 7% increase in his three-point percentage. That's amazing. And again, I thought this is something I discovered today, that his usage percentage has really climbed back up there because – that was the that was sort of the narrative early in the season was that he had more options. Maybe it was because of the injuries that happened and Kimba had to shoulder more of the load. But again, he's shooting the ball well. He's playing really well. He's leading this team, and right now his usage percentage sits at twenty six point five, which is actually slightly higher than last season where it was twenty five point nine. But you know the efficiency numbers are all there for Kemba Walker, much better than they were. And again, that PER of twenty point eight mm-hmm. is a very significant number. And as we said, would make him only the fourth player in franchise history to get twenty plus PER for the season. All right, just a few minutes left in our show. Time for one last thing. This one last thing is a segment I like to call "I Like That." Oh, I like that. I like that. This soundbite is what I like. Last night after the Sixers game, veteran Hornets voice Steve Martin caught up with Jeremy Lin and uh, delivered some very sobering news to the Hornets guard. Let's take a listen. He had seven back-to-backs in the last six weeks. How important is this one? Yep. Oh, that sucks. (laughs) (laughs) We do? Nah, nah, Jeremy. Who else? (laughs) We do? No, we wait, we do? Oh, that sucks. But yeah, seven back to backs in the last six weeks. How important <laughs> we is this do? within a yep? Oh. That, that sucks. sucks. <laughs> that, that's gold. He sounds so despondent. And I, I would be too. Back to backs. I mean, I can't imagine. I back to backs going to the gym for me in the mornings are just devastating. And I, I barely do anything at the gym. I'm just shoot it's shoot around for me at the gym. Hey, ain't nothing wrong with that. Well, you got to get guys, how you live. Well, I know, but I'm just saying, I just can't imagine having to play at the uh, intensity level that these guys play with, you know, on on back to back nights and what that does to the body. And and obviously, Jeremy Lin, he was he was not pleased. He has seven back to backs in the last six weeks. How important we is this one? Yep. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> I like that. All right, I'll be bringing that segment back. Don't you worry. All right, that'll do it for us, Hornets fans. Thanks so much to our guest, Tom Lewis, from uh, IndyCornrows.com. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at HiveTalkLive for live game updates and more. Go to AtTheHive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. Listen to ESPN 730 AM anytime, anywhere at ESPN730.com. For Justin, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing, All hail the teal and purple.